Welcome back to Everyday Elevations. I'm so excited today. Today we have a very special guest, Kathy Bowers. So Kathy Bowers is a parenting life coach, and she decided after working for over 20 years in her job as a family practitioner in social care and children families to leave. She knew that she could offer so much more without having as many restrictions. And so in April 2021, she started her own online business called Life Change Coaching. She decided to specialize in supporting parents with parenting issues to ensure they're able to meet all the needs of their children. And with that, I just want to let you take it away here, Kathy. If you maybe give a little bit of a background of your story and how you got to that point. Hi, and thank you, Jason, for inviting me onto the podcast. Yes, I'm a parent of three who are now adults, and I've got two grandchildren. So, I mean, I know what parenting's about because I've done it myself. Um, I ended up being um, a one-parent family as well, so I've got that experience. Um, but I started many, many years ago. When I was 16, I trained as a nursery nurse, and I worked in schools, day nurseries, agency work, anything to where children and parents went. That's where I worked. And then over time, I started thinking, I want to do a lot more than this. So I ended up 20 years ago joining social care and children's services. And that's when I did that real hard work because I went in as a family practitioner um, working with social care in families. Originally, that just needed a little help with they're stuck on a routine and they wanted to know how to get their children organized for homework and for school. That was a couple of weeks, maybe a month, no more. But then they thought, oh, this team of 29 is a good team to use for our high-ended cases. And um, I trained and I've become a senior family practitioner. So I was always given the hard jobs and it was very interesting. The families were entrenched. They'd, they were repeating the same pattern of problems, but they were having ch different children. And unfortunately, their other children were being removed. So it was really their last option to try and sort stuff out. And they were doing so well. If they agreed with something I was offering them, they'd do it. But then if they didn't agree, they, they didn't bother. So it wasn't working 100%, which is normal human behavior. And um, I trained in 2018 as a performance coach. And I thought, you know what, I'll bring that into the mix. Along with, I'm a family, um, I'm a massage and Reiki practitioner. So I do holistic therapies. So I thought I'll bring all of that in as well, because I always believe in treating everyone holistically, looking at the whole person, not just the problem that I've been told they have. And I said to them, right, the difference now is you've got 100% responsibility. It's your problem. They're your family, your kids. So it stands to reason only you can make those change, you know. So get on, get on with it. I'll support you and I'll answer any questions, but I, I, I can't do anything more than this. And although they didn't like the idea at first, a good 70% made those, made those changes and were able to keep their children um, at home, so that was really. Can you catch up a really quick? Yeah, because I'm I'm kind of curious. What were some of those common? Because you mentioned that a lot of them had common 
uh, parenting issues. What were some of those issues that they were dealing with, if you don't mind me asking? Right. Well, first of all, it was the parents themselves had issues. They had um, addictions. They had mental health. They had um, poor parenting as of when they were children. So they didn't have a knowledge of how to parent, putting boundaries or, or what to do. Or some were very young parents. And again, they'd come from trauma and they had these, they were children themselves in a way, you know, sort of 14, 15 year olds, and they now had a baby. So it was really difficult. So they had that. But then on top of that, they had the financial problems as well. They didn't have, didn't have enough food, you know, money to pay for food. They were on social care. So they were living in terrible accommodation with mold everywhere and damp um, in high rise blocks which didn't make you feel like you you were worth. I mean, some of the places I wouldn't even put an animal to live. That's how bad some of them were. I mean, they've now pulled them down and done flats, you know, but they, they've sold them privately. So most of them have been private and only a small amount have been um, for um, council tenants and things like that. So they had all this going on. So they were struggling. They didn't know about boundaries. They had, as I said, usually more than one child. Um, and some of them might have been from uh, different fathers. They might have had some support by one of the fathers and not support for the other. So the children noticed that within the relationship, feeling that they weren't seeing their dad. So why weren't they seeing their dad? That gave them behavioural issues and things. So there was a lot of balance was missing from the family. Harmony was missing. Um, The parents didn't know necessarily how important playing with their children was. And they didn't necessarily have um, the money to buy toys to do things. So it was a vicious circle, really. And um, then struggling with the teenagers because they wanted, the teenager was, probably didn't like the environment they were in, so they were going out. But they were mixing with the wrong types of teens. They were, um, because the area was so rough, They'd come out and there'd be sort of gangs on the streets and they might get drawn into gangs or try to avoid getting involved. But it's very difficult, you know, when you're in that situation and the parents are trying to do the best for their kids, um, but they can't get out of where their environment, where they're living. So it's almost like they had so much working against them as parents just from the yes, get-go, definitely. from an early age. Okay, that, that makes sense as to why they had some more common issues because... That's fascinating. And it's just so sad that people go through that too. It's an, I mean, I know it's part of life, but you never want to hear about it or see it or experience it like that way. Um, but sorry, please, I interjected there. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Well, tell me a little bit more about the, the work that you do and um, maybe even like an interesting tidbit on something that you, a lesson learned during the process. Right. Well, um, now I work with parents online who have um, tried things and they've got stuck. They're realizing something's not quite right here. You know, I'm not communicating as well as my children, uh, with my children. I feel like the children are running the house rather than me, you know, telling me what to do. Um, Too many arguments. And I just feel worn out. I just don't know what step to do next because every time I wake up I'm feeling 
is today going to be like it was yesterday? More arguments, more clashes, you know, and I'm just worn out with it and I'm just lost. And what's common with parents is, because I did this as well, you wake up thinking, is if, if I'm going to have another bad day, oh, I can't cope with this. And your body language says it all. You know, your face expression says it all when you look at your kids. And before you've even opened your mouth, your, your children see your expression and think, oh, well, I might as well not bother. You know, mum thinks I'm going to just do repeat what I did yesterday. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because I've noticed on, I mean, we've discussed it before. I have a newborn baby. He's actually just turned one month. I've noticed on like nights where he really struggles to sleep. Of course, because I'm not sleeping during that time frame, I have a little less uh, enthusiasm for the feeding sessions and everything. Is that something even at that age you think they can pick up on, like pick up on body language, things like that? Definitely your body language. They, they can see if you're tense, if you're, you know, not relaxed because it's everything that comes in, how you're holding them. If your arms are stiff and you're not relaxed and your, your tone of voice as well, or if you're not saying anything, they. They're always touching you, aren't they, when you're feeding them. There's little hands go up and touching you, trying to go for your face. And they, they, want, they want to feel you, that you're around there. They're always searching out for you. And your smell, you know, your sense of smell. And I'm sure we give out, well, I mean, give out different smells, don't we? I know we do that when we're stressed. Our body language, our body scent is different than if we're calm. So... Babies, I mean, it's very sort of the animal instinct, isn't it? We've got there in the very early beginnings. Maybe they're in tune to that. I mean, we can't necessarily smell it ourselves because we're that much older and we forgot to get in tune. But then you, everything is new to them. So maybe they pick that up as well. Okay, interesting. That's, that's a good tip for me to think about because I was thinking about this morning before our call. I like, I wonder if sometimes my vibe, like, for instance, this morning I got no sleep last night. And I was like, I knew that I didn't have very much patience for screaming, crying at like 3 a.m. because he woke up like every hour on the hour, <laughs> and which as a baby will do from time to time. It's just uh, one of those things where I was like, oh, OK, I am not feeling this right now. That's just it almost felt like it was a job just to feed him. And I kind of got like a little feeling of a vibe that he felt that I wasn't like super enthusiastic about it. So it, he got a little more agitated. And you want him to, you want him to hurry up don't you as well you say come on just hurry up and get on with it yeah yeah and sometimes like he'll he'll get a little more agitated he'll furl his brows and everything and i, I just it's interesting to me when you brought that up it's like hmm i wonder how that affects newborns as well as like because he's focusing a bit on you now is he is he focusing is his eyes focusing on your face yeah i think so uh it's it feels like it anyhow he seems to start oh, the eyes are going all over rolling around <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 he can keep them in place a little more now before it was, yeah, they're just rolling all over the place. Kind of like, yeah. like, um, the little crazy eye dots that kind of go everywhere. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now, now he can focus a lot more. So that's why I was thinking about it. I was like, man, I, I hope that I'm not giving off the wrong sense to him. And like, I know that even my fiance is a little, frustrated because you can't keep up with the feedings and everything and well you're just new parents aren't you you're trying and it, that's don't beat yourself up you know it takes time and you get into a routine and then it changes 
just as you've got that routine and you think, darn it. <laughs> and, and I'm of the mindset like that. It is one of those things is more curiosity for me. I don't beat myself up on stuff because I know it's like, I don't know what I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm going to do my best to take care of them in the best way possible. That's all I can, all I can do in life is offer that my best. But I think she'll sometimes stress herself out a little bit more because there's more pressure on her as the mother. She has a lot more responsibility. She has to provide the sustenance and everything. And she's at home dealing with him all day while I'm at work now. I just got back to work this past week. So it's hard because she's she's twenty four seven on call, isn't that? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot more stress for her. So I know she's she's doing everything she can. She does an amazing job. Um, just just to be clear, she does an absolutely incredible job. Um, I don't know how she does it <laughs> and stays sane. It's, it's lovely to hear you, hear you say that, Jason, because lots of people, especially men who go to work, they don't realise in a way it's great for them to go back to work because they get a break. They can get a regular tea break without any sort of disturbance, you know, just normal things. Whereas being a mum 24-7 at home, you don't have the normal you can't even sometimes when they get older go to the toilet without them demanding you or you can't have a bath, you know, because they, they want your attention. So all the stuff we take them for granted before we had our children, it all goes out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned like me being able to get a little breather at work. That's something that I was excited for. I was like, oh, I can actually get so much more stuff accomplished because being at home for those first three weeks, I've never felt less productive knowing for well that I'm doing a lot of stuff and more exhausted simultaneously. So I was like, Oh, I can't wait to just get back into some sort of routine in my life, um, which she hasn't been able to. And I know that's a huge, no, cause it's a di- completely different routine now she has. Mm-hmm. So I know I, for the weekends, I like to make sure she gets out and goes visit friends, stuff like that. Like, Hey, look, you, you've dealt with them all week. Let me, let me help out where I can. But I'm sorry, I completely sidetracked on there. It's just one of the things when we start talking about baby, I was like, oh. No, no, it's good. <laughs> I'm kind of curious, since we are talking about this, around what ages do you mostly deal with when it comes to your life change coaching? It can, well, it can be from really young babes right up to teens who need some support with mentoring with their mom and dad to be involved. So it's really, you know, there are different things to add. Uh, You've got what, the terrible twos with their temper tantrums and that trying to put in the routine. So it just depends. It really depends on um, what the parent's struggling with. It could be just school routines, you know, a day routine for school, getting them up, making sure the night before they get to bed at a reasonable time and sleep. And then parents say, well, what time is that? Is a reasonable time for certain ages? Um, because obviously if you put, all the kids, if you've got, say, two or three and they're all different age groups and you say, right, everybody do better at this time, it's okay for the youngest, but the older ones will go, no way, you know. But, again, it depends if you're um, – some families are living in one room, you know, so how do you deal with that? Some families share um, – their siblings share a room. So, again, if you've got a younger one and the uh, child, the other one's a bit older, put the younger one down first and settle. Um you know, I do it that way, but it's it's very difficult sometimes just how we're living, you know, today um, with our, our accommodation. Well, that's fair. Yeah, I didn't even think about that factor. So it's one of those things where you take it, you almost, not even almost, you take it for granted 
where you're at in life. Like me have having a spare room for the baby is something a lot of families don't have. Oh. Don't have no. Some people don't even have a table in their room for or a quiet space for the kids to do their homework if it's all in one room, or it could be they could be in a hospital because of domestic abuse, you know, and they're living there. So there's all sorts of um, different scenarios families are involved with. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, it just popped in my head in this moment here. Um, as an uncle, I always like to make sure that I'm not overstepping bounds. I'm always wondering, like, what, at what point can, and I think it's more, I think I'm going to answer my own question here. It's more really the parents themselves uh, comfortability as to what they want you to do. But like, I'll see things with, with nieces and nephews or behavior. I'm like, Ooh, it's like, I know what I want to say and how I want them to be addressed in certain things. It's like, I don't feel right doing any type of parental type activities. Like, Hey, like, Hey, stop it. Like, you being mean no it's good it's good to step in and say that because they have to learn that other adults will tell them and it's and what they do sometimes children is they know my ones were were, were like this when i had friends around they try and play up because they thought oh she won't um we can get away with this because she's not going to say anything while so-and-so is there a friend is there or you know and uh my friend would just turn around and say what are you doing? That's not acceptable behavior. <laughs> they just looked, looked at her and then looked at me and they realized, oh, another adult is confirming what mum had said and we can't get away with certain stuff. And it, it's good to have support like that. I mean, I can think of, um, I was in Spain a couple of years ago and I, I was with this friend and she had two children, one who was 12 and a younger one of six, and her husband was there, and we were playing a game, but it was how the older child spoke to the mum. She was, you know, cooking and talking to, and he was so rude, and I couldn't help it. I just said, how dare you speak to your mum like that? Where are your manners? Where are your pleases and thank yous? And um, she liked mouth to me quite like, thank you so much for doing that. And then he went, well, daddy speaks to her like that. And I said, well, daddy's wrong. He shouldn't be speaking to her. I didn't care. I just think he shouldn't be speaking to her like that. And it's, it's, I'm, a, you know, I'm sorry that you're picking up those bad habits. And I thought maybe he's going to show me the door, but he's, he didn't say anything, you know, just kept it quiet. But afterwards I said, is this always going on? She said, yeah. I mean, now they're, they're getting divorced, you know, but this was years. It was about, five years ago when this sort of happened the first time, but I'd seen it a few times and I thought she bent over backwards to do things for him. He went to a private school, had all everything. And in, in Spain, they don't have many free activities. So she was thinking of all sorts of things for him to do because they have um, very long summer holidays there. And she was working hard enough and all her hard-earned money was going on paying all these you know, outings and trips for him to do, like he was learning sailing, it was all sorts of stuff that most kids wouldn't have that opportunity. But he was just like taking it for granted. Then he'd say, oh, I don't want to go today. And she said, no, when I picked it for you, I did explain that once I paid for this course, you've got to do the full course. You can't just pick and, you know, 
because it's cost me a lot. But it was just the, the arrogance he was developing. And I just thought, you're a child. How dare you get like that? Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but that makes me think a little bit about parenting in the future with that. How do you shield your kid? Not, I don't necessarily want to say shield. How do you, as parents, do a better job of being more socially aware of the things you're doing and saying and how you're saying it with knowing that your kids are almost always around you? Yeah. I mean, that's what we say about negative parenting and positive parenting, because you have to think of yourself. If someone spoke to me in such a way or shouted at me, would I like it? And the answer would be no. So you've got to present the best way forward because you're you're guiding them they're watching everything everything you're saying so you've got to really think about your words it has to be age appropriate your language are you are you demanding too much for their age group you know so you've got to really put them in the focus 100% all the time and think to yourself right this is what i want from you but this is how i'll say it i'll not shout and scream at you because that gets nowhere if you do that with an older child or even with a younger one, they'll start shouting back. And the next thing, everyone's screaming. Nobody's listening. Everyone's forgotten how it started probably, but it's just this horrible atmosphere at home. You know, I mean, I've been, I've been privy to doing that, and I felt like I was a fishwife shouting out, you know, or repeating yourself on and on and on like a loop, and no one's listening anymore because they oh, here we go again. So it's, it's just ways of how we communicate. and. Thinking and picking our words, our choice words and our actions, but going for noticing the good things they're doing and praising them. Oh, you've really done well here. I see you've been really trying or, you know, thank you for trying to get yourself dressed. Let me help you. I know the shoe's on the wrong foot, but let me help you. So really looking it through their eyes and saying to them, my children are looking for me to guide them. And that's what you have to do. You have to guide them in the right way and make it easier for them. So when you ask them something, don't tell them to do three or four things in one sentence and then wonder why they haven't done anything. Because what they've done is they've got all this information and they don't know which one to do first. Okay, so keep it simple when you're, when you're giving um, a task yeah, ask to do. one thing at a time. Yeah, and give them time to respond to Hear it, listen to it, and then do it. Not, it's not instant. They're not going to go, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not dogs doing tricks, you know, jumping through hoops. We're, we're <laughs> we have to process what we've been asked. Same as if I was to ask you to do something and I asked you five or six things and say, go and get on with it. You're probably thinking, well, hold on a minute. I've got to think, what's this, and prioritize it. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Something came into my mind. And it's mostly because at the time I hadn't been a parent. So, and I'm, I mean, I'm still in the very early stages, of course. When it comes to speaking to your kids and getting them to do things, I noticed that like some friends and family talk to their kids like their kids are adults. Um, I, how do you know what to gauge in terms of the content you're, or the, vocabulary using the content and concepts you're using in the conversations with your children right well it's expectations first you don't see your child as your friend and you certainly don't see them as many adults so 
when you speak to them, as I said, you take into concern their understanding for their age group. So you keep it simple. You do, and you can ask. You can say, have you understood what mummy or daddy have asked you to do? And they might say no, or they might look a bit bewildered. So you show them, you give them direction. But it's real sort of, you don't use large jargon. and, and, (laughs) And so you can explain and you can show if you want them to do something. You can, there's nothing wrong in saying to them, for example, if you want their room sorted out, you can go with them and say, look, this room's a bit of a mess here. So let me help you. What would you like me to do to help you tidy this room up? And get them to look and to give you some feedback as well. Or, you know, it, it, or tidy up your, your toys. If the room they've been playing with their toys and it's all over the, you know, they've emptied the toy box all over the floor. And you've noted, well, really, there's so much stuff out on the floor. They haven't really played with anything for long because they're just throwing things out. So you have to sort of, train them to just put one thing out and then finish it if it's a jigsaw puzzle or whatever when it's finished put it in the packet or the box and then put that back into the toy box before they get something else out so they learn you know they understand what's expected of them but it's just you know sort of showing them as well you know so you're physically showing them you're demonstrating with them as well as verbally asking and keeping the language simple Okay. No, thank you so much for clarifying that. It's something I was always curious as a uh, curious of just because, like I said, I had friends and family who to me, it felt weird at the time. They're talking to their kids as if though they were kind of like adults, like having very adult conversations, but they were understanding it, or at least it seemed like it. So I was like, Hmm, like maybe it's just me not really grasping what's going on there. Uh, but it's it, interesting hearing from your side of it. Like, Hey, you have to understand where they're at mentally and then sometimes you do have to show them things um for them to fully grasp it but when we're talking about the language as well that children shouldn't be privy to adult conversation either they shouldn't be involved in adult conversation or hearing adult conversation being discussed around them and because it does a lot of damage if, if especially if they're slagging off the other half or complaining about something or they've got worries about something going on. They're talking about, I know, bills not being pay, paid and they're worried about um, repossession of a house. And these children hear all this stuff. They're picking it all up. They're absorbing it like a sponge. And you might be so um, involved in that conversation, either on the phone or face-to-face with your friend or whoever you're saying this, you're not aware that your children are hearing it all. And it's really worrying. You know, they, 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 and they... They don't know. They might, or they might pick, pick little bits up, but because of their language and their understanding of language, it's very basic. It's that's fascinating that you brought that up because I actually just experienced this over the weekend. Went to uh, my brother and sister in laws, and their little nephew. He's a little little genius. Um, this kid's going to do some big things in life, uh, but he he happened to be sitting there. They had a conversation. They weren't very. We weren't very situationally aware when we're having a conversation. We're talking about some stuff in the news and then um, some uh, attacks that happened. Uh, And he started asking about it, like talking about, well, why would the why would these bad men do this? And like, like, wait, oh, no, he's understanding what's going on. (laughs) So it's funny that you mentioned that, like having those adult conversations elsewhere. Because I wouldn't even thought about that until this past weekend. I was like, oh, no, he's 
taking up way too much. I mean, I remember myself when I was about nine, hearing on the television about gorillas being killed in the mountains, being shot. But what I didn't realise was it wasn't gorillas, it was guerrilla warfare going on. But I didn't know. And I said to my mum, why are they, because I loved animals, and I used to say, why, why are men killing gorillas? Why are they shooting gorillas? And she never, ever explained what I'd heard. She just, whether she heard or just dismissed it, probably thought, idiot, and didn't say anything. But for years, I didn't realise until probably a couple of years later, I heard about gorilla. And I went, oh, that's what I heard. That's what they meant when I heard gorillas. But it was never explained to me. It's only when I got older and I understood, you know, and listened. So there's lots of things on the TV that you hear that kids are picking up. They probably don't understand the gist of it. And like, like I did, they pick up the wrong things. And it can be very worrying, very frightening. That's fair. Yeah, it's kind of the vibe I was getting over the weekend. I was like, oh, I hope he doesn't like have nightmares thinking about this type thing, which thankfully he hasn't. Um, but interesting. So I would never really have thought, like, you know, certain conversations you don't have, but you don't really realize how much they're actually paying attention to what you're saying. Yeah, um, they watch it. Especially when you're focused on somebody else. And also you see, when you look at them, you see sometimes they've got your mannerisms and they repeat it with their body language. And you think, whoa, this is a bit freaky. <laughs> you know, they're coming up with, you can see it's, um, they're trying to be you repeating what you've said. And you say something, well, daddy said that or mommy said that. And you're just thinking, oh, I didn't realize it. Really, it was like having a camera, you know, video on on you, and they zoomed it in, and they were playing it back. That's funny. Yeah, I, I've experienced that with nieces and nephews, where they repeat stuff that dad, dad and mom <laughs> say, and their mannerism are. It's kind of creepy how much they are like their parents at certain moments, like certain things uh -huh. they do. Um, like my my little niece, she'll she'll cross her eyes just like her dad does when he tries to mess with her and make her laugh. And she does it just to be funny. She'll just, she'll just turn her head and cross her eyes. Like she'll be looking normal. She'll just turn her head. Her eyes are crossed because her dad did it to her one time. Oh, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, you don't really think about these things. You kind of take it for granted or even just don't pay attention to it at the moment. So it's interesting that you brought that up. It's like if you're having, um, arguments when children are there and you think the common thing is they haven't heard they're in bed they're asleep would you be asleep if you hear all that noise and shouting going on of course you wouldn't and you've got a thin wall between you and what's worse for them is they can't see what's going on so their imagination is kicking over you know going overdrive and then especially in the morning when they come down in the morning and they or maybe haven't slept well because they're worried about the noise and the fight they heard or the argument they heard, the raised voices. And then they see mum and dad sitting at the table like everything's normal. And that, again, is confusing because we are as adults, we just sort of brush it off. It probably was nothing to us, not realising our children had heard all this. Yeah. I mean, I know as a kid there's times where I picked up on stuff I probably shouldn't have too. Uh, parents arguing, things like that. So that would make sense. Hmm. Um, trying to think of where I was. I had a question now. It just completely slipped out of my mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of curious. Can you go over a couple more, maybe another brief story about some things that you experienced and you were coaching someone through? Just kind of curious to learn a little bit more about some of the 
different scenarios you've dealt with and maybe how my listeners can potentially relate or adapt some of their parenting techniques to? Um, I'm, I'm thinking of a family. There was um, a mum who was very heavily pregnant um, to, I think, eight months, and she had two teenage children, and then she had one who was seven and another one who was five. And she was struggling with behaviour problems with the older um, one of seven. Um, he was just wanting attention all the time, basically. did understand. Eventually they did find he had a condition, but at that point she didn't know that. And they had the televisions in their room. He wanted to be – he looked up to his older siblings, his teens, and he seemed to think he was their age. That's how he th- thought it. He wanted to be like them. So when it was his bedtime, no, he didn't want to go. When it was um, – he wanted to go to bed with when they went, the older ones, and he, he they they went. Um, no, these are your routines. Your younger brother's going, and you've got to go at this side. And he was forever pushing his boundaries and mum's limits because he knew mum couldn't um, move very fast with the pregnancy and things like that. But what he used to do was he'd go in and he would break up. Say, like if his younger brother was building something with Lego. Um, a model, he'd break it all up or he'd go into his sister's room and destroy something of hers. It was never his stuff. It was everybody else's he was doing. And, um, again, if he had his, if he was told he couldn't watch any more te- uh, television, he'd broken two television sets by crashing them to the floor uh, or he'd got an ashtray because um, his mum used to smoke and um, he's her brother was still um, sharing the house with her, so he smoked. He'd get this solid, heavy ashtray and use it as a frisbee and just throw it across the room. So she was really having real difficulty with his moods. When it was, um, they lived on a ground floor flat. And if he wanted, he didn't want to go to bed, he'd climb out the window and go for a run, you know, just go off somewhere else on the estate. So there was lots of things going on with mum you know, for her, and she couldn't run and sprint. And when the brother came home, it was great because he could look at, look after the situation and put the rules in, but he used to sometimes come back quite late. So I said to her, you've really got to start now. If he starts breaking up other people's things, then you take some of his favourite toys away from him, just take them away. And at that point, she gave them to me to put in the boot of my car so he knew that they went until he saw me the, the following week. Um, I used to try and play um, board games. I love board games. And um, sometimes it was great. We were having a game with all of them. And then he'd get annoyed that he wasn't winning or something and he'd trash the game. So I said, okay, fine. You've trashed this game. So now you sit this one out. Other people will continue playing. And you could see him really itching. I said, no. Until you have a little bit think about how you're behaving, you know, sort of things like that. So um, eventually he'd come back in on the game. But other times it might be time for me to go home. And I'd say, no, you know, you've, you've been so misbehaved. Now, I've, I've had to physically, for mum couldn't, I put you in your bedroom and you stayed there for a minute, then you came out again and I just didn't say anything. I put you back in your bedroom and this kept on, you know, for maybe 
an hour just doing this. But he was soon le- learning that he's been told to go in his bedroom to calm down. And unless he listens and does as he's told, that's where he is for the minute. And um, then he calmed down. He came up and he said, oh, I'll play a game now, Kathy, because I'm sorry. And I said, well, it's time for me to go home. I've got, got my own home life and animals to feed. So I said, but next week we can start playing the games again, you know, if you're going to really listen and do what, what you know you, sh- you should do. And it got less and less, his behaviour. He suddenly realised there were rules, you know, like it's, it'd be okay for a while, then he'd kick off, so I packed the game away. And then he'd look, and I said, no, not today, game's gone because of how you are. So eventually it was over consistency and repeated patterns. And same with mum. She'd say things like, right, I've got a supper, a really nice supper being ready for you, so you're not having the snacks and things and the chocolate biscuits and all the things that you want. So he kept on helping himself. So she moved it to a higher cupboard, and he was climbing up on the work surface to do it. So what she decided was, when I do the shopping, I'm not going to buy any of this stuff now until he learns what I've said is, you know, and it was hard work, but it eventually he eventually realised the routines and the boundaries were in place. They were consistent. Everybody was using them, even the brother when he came back, everybody was using them. The older siblings used them. They used to remind him, say, you know, do you remember what happens if you do this? You end up going. So he stopped breaking other people's toys. He stopped going and touching his siblings, older siblings' stuff. Um, and harmony came back, but it took a, it took a good, I'd say, a good four, four or five months of doing it, but being consistent and being repetitive. And it was good because, obviously, baby was coming along and mum was worried about this child who was throwing things, bashing TV, you know, breaking TVs up, just taking a complete ramsack of the of the family home. And he thought, well, what happens if baby's in a cot, you know, a little crib, and he knocks him out of the, the crib? What happens? Yeah, that'd be scary. I mean, can't even imagine going through that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we're getting close to the end here. I love if you have anything, any tips or anything that you'd recommend for parents to um, practice new parents, longtime parents, doesn't really matter. Um, any any great tips that you might want to leave them with? I, I'd love to hear some additional ones. First of all, don't compare yourself with other parents. Your family is unique and your children are unique. So parenting is a lifetime of learning and you're going to have your ups and downs so don't beat yourself up when things don't go right learn from them think about what happened if i did this before did did it did something work better you know so really sort of fall back on it and learn from it and be patient be consistent with whatever you do ensure you put your children in the middle of everything that goes on. They come before anything else, before anything that happens with you, even your relationship. Your children are your priority. And treat each day as a brand new day. So you've got to start, you know, and always think about looking at what something is working for you, what what your child is actually doing well. Don't 
ignore the criticisms and all that. Try and find the praise, even if it's the smallest thing, like, oh, you've you've got up when, you know, you're ready, you're ready for school, or you've cleaned your teeth so well, basic stuff, or your teens. Thank you so much for letting me know where you are, and thank you so much for coming home on time. So we all want to be praised and to be acknowledged that our folks see us, you know, so and, and keep enjoying your family is vital and seeing your children individually and supporting them and encouraging them to find hobbies, activities that they will love and do something as a family unit. I like it. There's so many great tidbits there. That's fantastic. Uh, I've, re- I've really enjoyed this call. I feel like we might have to do a second one at some point in time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Thank you. Of course. No, thank you. Thank you for being so gracious with your time. Um, one of the things I love to do to wrap the podcast up, I, I like to ask just a couple additional questions and just a little bit more fun stuff. And one of my favorite ones is if you could have any superpower, what would your superpower be? I would think flying. Okay. I like that. I think flying and teleportation are two of the more common ones I hear. And teleportation, because then you can just be wherever you want to be. Well, the reason I chose flying is when I used to do scuba diving and I used to do drift diving in the water where the current just takes you. It was just such an amazing feeling because you just went with it. You put your arms out and you just flowed with all the fish and all the plants and everything that was going. And I just thought that must be like flying because you feel light. And if you could fly, all the places you could go to and all the places you could see, I think it would just be amazing. That's true. You know, I'd want to be something that was big enough so as not to be eaten by anything, (laughs) (laughs) quick enough not to be caught. Touche. I think it'd be cool. You'd see the world from a whole different lens when you're able to fly too. So I think that'd be And you have that vision that the birds have, isn't it? You could all, you know, everything in. Yeah, absolutely. Final question here. And just one of the ones that I, I always love to hear people's favorite quotes. So if there's a quote that you absolutely live by, what would that quote be? I haven't really got a quote. I just think for myself, it's just treat others like you want to be treated, you know, as be, be a human being, but be a decent human being. That's what I feel. Hey, that, that is a good quote. Uh, some people need to take that lesson into, and, and put it into play. So I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you again so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I've really enjoyed this call. and. I definitely want to look into setting up another call here in the near future, uh, just because I feel like there's so much information that we didn't get a chance to go over here. Um, So I'd love to discuss a little further offline with you at another time. Yes, that would be perfect. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. And have a wonderful day. 